Hey, how's it going, Lakeland? Welcome back to A View from City Hall. This is Chad McLeod, one of your city commissioners. And today in the podcast studio, I have Assistant Police Chief Hans Lehman. I'm excited to have him here today. I've said for several episodes that I was going to have somebody from LPD on the podcast, and it's taken me a little while to get that worked out. But uh, Chief Lehman, welcome. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I want to start in, you know, on the last episode, I talked about that I was going to do a ride along uh, after that episode. And I said I would report back and I had a chance to do that uh, early October. And what an experience that was to spend an evening with uh, the evening shift. I was assigned to Officer Tammy Hathcock, and I just want to give a shout out to her and everyone who I got the chance to, to spend time with that evening. And I told several people afterwards, I told Chief Garcia and some of the others, that it it really was an eye-opening experience to go and see what our men and women of the police department, what they experience every day. Uh, I, you know, I grew up around the law enforcement profession. I've talked about Mm -hmm. my dad being a police officer and police chief. But it was, for me, I really walked away with a renewed sense of appreciation, of respect for our police officers and seeing what they do and you hear about it. And as a commissioner, you, you hear stories and uh, the things that you all present to us at the meetings, but it's different when you go out in the field and see what you all experience. And so I just, I want to give uh, thanks to her for allowing me to tag along and ask lots of questions. And, and I hope to do it again. I'd love to get out there soon and, and do that. So it, it was a great experience to just be out and shadow our police department. That's good. No, we appreciate that. And uh, officer Hathcock's one of our one of our training officers, so you got you got someone good there that uh, showed showed you what we do day in and day out. Yeah, and, and I was impressed. She talked about the the tenure she has with the police department that she's been uh, with LPD. I think over twenty five years now in multiple roles, but she also talked about just the the number of officers we have who have fewer than five years experience with our department. Some are coming from other agencies. And uh, so it's a a younger force in terms of the experience with the city of Lakeland. But it's one reason I wanted to talk to you, Chief Lehman, is you're very involved in our recruiting efforts and how we're bringing in new officers. And you were just telling me that today you had Fox 13 uh, at the police station doing a story about uh, your recruitment trip in New York City. And so I wanted to talk about that, just lead off this episode talking about uh, what you did, how that idea came about, how successful it was, because I think it's it's different. I understand why the media would want to do a story about it and hear uh, what you did and, and how that how it worked. Yeah, it was it was definitely out of the box for us. Um, you know, it, it kind of started um, not everybody wants to be a police officer nowadays. So your talent pool is a lot lower than it was several years ago, just with things that have been going on in the country. So um we, we try to mirror the demographic of the community we serve. So we, we stay focused on, you know, academy sponsorships and getting local folks hired that want to be police officers for their, for their department. And, but that only goes so far. And um, in 2020, we hired two officers from New York city and they've done a great job here and they've really enjoyed um, our agency and our city. So this past spring when uh, you know, tensions have been getting, uh, high across the country, um, we started trying to figure out where we could go to maybe recruit. And uh, we brought those two New York officers in and said, hey, what do you think about, uh, you know, a New York trip? And they're like, we'll go. And um, they still had a lot of contacts with uh, folks in New York. And Chief Garcia uh, blessed the recruitment trip. And we sent a crew of seven up there. And um, we were there three days. We talked to probably 
300 New York officers and uh, had about 100 apply. Wow. And um, to date, we've hired uh, 13 of those. And there's some didn't realize the hiring process was going to be that quick. Um, they thought it'd be more of a year long process. So we have still have more that are interested, uh, maybe the first of next year, if we have openings. That's great. And yeah, I could see where maybe some of them weren't expecting to right. to be down here this, this fast or to be relocating so quickly. But if the need is there and, and we're ready to, to bring those folks in, I think that's just, it, it is, it's a creative way. And uh, Emily Cologne, our assistant city manager had mentioned that as a, 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 a tactic that may be a little bit different in terms of recruiting than what we've done in the past, but it's something that it worked and, and there are opportunities to, to do that type of thing in, in the police department. So yeah, we've we've read all the national research. There's a lot of different uh, recruiting uh, strategies out there. We visited every police academy in the state of Florida, and we we felt like we've checked about every box until we did that New York trip, and that was one of the big pieces of the puzzle that that fell in for us. That was really good. So talk a little bit just for people who are out there listening about the overall makeup of Lakeland Police Department. How many officers do we have, employees and staff, and uh, for people who, who might not know? Sure. We're uh, 254 sworn is our authorized strength. Naturally, we've got quite a few in training from that trip, um, but that's our authorized strength. And then we have uh, about 125 civilian employees which covers our 911 communication center um, that dispatches for police and fire. It's also the redundant uh, location with the Polk County Sheriff's Office. It's the second 911 center. So um, a lot of stuff goes on in our 911 center uh, records, our uh, background investigators, uh, some folks in training, property and evidence. Uh, they make a lot of the, the rest of the department up. So it's a, it's a good-sized department between – the sworn officers and then and the non-sworn personnel. And I didn't realize it was over 100 people that we have in those different positions. And it, it certainly takes all of that to make everything operate. And, you know, you talked about the 911 dispatch. And so that was something that is always impressive to me is it, no matter how many times I've observed it, but just watching officers uh, interact with those 911 dispatchers and, and calls and signals and the way they communicate in route to a very high stressful situation. And just, yeah. I know a lot of it is it's training, yes. it's memory, it just, it, but it's so smooth. It's so efficient. That's what, one of the many things that impressed me about officer Hathcock that night. Yeah. It's, it, you know, our officers are answering about 110,000 calls for service a year. Wow. But that does not count the amount of calls that come into the communication center, mm. which is probably over 200,000 mm. that they're fielding as well. So, wow. you know, between both, they're, they learn to communicate well with each other. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a, um, you all are, you're busy. There are a lot of things yes. happening for sure. Talk about our canine unit, uh, because I know that's, a, that's always been something the, I guess it's twice now we've had the canine unit since I've been on the commission come for a meeting and receive an award. And it's, it's a fun meeting. I think when you have <laughs> 10 or so dogs, dogs and their handlers in the commission chambers, yeah. but I know that's a, it's a big part of the, the police operations and just talk a little bit about how many dogs we have, what types of things they do on a regular basis. Sure. We, um, we're very proud of our canine unit and the dedication that those, those, uh, officers have and, and the dogs themselves. And we have, uh, eight handlers and eight dogs. And then we have one sergeant who also works a dog. So nine total. Um, 
they provide uh, their assigned patrol squad. So um, we do our best to make sure there's a, at least one dog and handler out 24 seven wow. uh, 365 days a year. Um, and we can, we have overlap. If we need to help the sheriff's office, we can help them out. Or if they need to help us out, we have that capability, but uh, we pride our, our, uh, our, their job on the quality that they have. Um, we just had one canine that is uh, canine Valor that is uh, retiring after uh, eight, almost nine years service um, with officer Corey Bowling. And they were actually yesterday looking for a new canine replacement uh, for him. Um, so they, you know, some of the dogs are drug certified and then other dogs are uh, explosive ordinance certified as their odor. And then all of them um, have the basic patrol work, which is, uh, tracking, um, article search and apprehension work. I know there's a ton of training that goes into not only just getting the dog and the handler ready to do those things that you mentioned, but continuous training to be um, up to speed and and able to respond to all those different situations so much that most of us just, we don't see it. Right. They, they have an initial like four or 500 hour patrol school. And then the odor that they certify on is another few hundred hours. Wow. And that's just your basic. Those guys um, and gals, they're out there training every day. They're laying training tracks to keep their dogs proficient. They're doing obedience work all the time. So it is a it is a lifestyle for those handlers because they are there with that dog all the time. And if they're not training, they're helping on calls. Several months ago, I heard Chief Garcia gave a presentation at the Dream Center. You were there mm-hmm. that morning, and it was an overview of many of the ways that the police department is involved in our neighborhoods, community outreach programs, and efforts to build relationships with the neighborhoods where we patrol and and throughout the city. But it was, for me, I learned a lot just hearing the many ways that we, I say we, but the police department is involved in the community. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of those programs and and what the goals are when, when you're working in communities? Sure. The, the biggest thing is making sure we understand what's going on in the community. And, you know, we get out, we have our neighborhood liaison officers, we have the neighborhood cleanups that we've done a lot with the Dream Center um, and Pastor Cooper. And um, it, it's, if you're not part of the fabric of the community, then, you know, you don't know what's going on. And right. that's a, that's a good part of it. We have our crime prevention practitioners or community service unit ladies that, um, they go to every neighborhood watch meeting. Uh, there's sev- there are several dozen neighborhood watch programs in the city. Uh, you know, they, they adjust their hours. We always try to have representatives at meetings like that. So we have a good idea of what's going on. We get a lot of our information from neighborhoods mm-hmm. and what we need to do. And um, that's one thing Chief Garcia always says is, uh, uh, this is your police department. And that's what we're there for is to serve you. And uh, I, I think that's important that we always remember that. Yeah, that it, it, when you see the, the efforts that, and especially as it relates to community involvement, and there's things that if you're not in a neighborhood where you see one of those programs, you might not know that the police department has this, this whole effort involving neighborhood liaisons and, and an attempt to build those relationships and get information and, and just right. have – uh, working relationships with people in the community. So, you know, you know, when police need to be called or something happens that 
uh, hopefully there are already established connections. And it's just, I know that's an ongoing effort. And I think it's one that pays huge dividends. I think of our PAL program and, and the work with uh, youth and trying to work with young boys and girls and people before maybe they they take a different path or, or kind of head off into a, a lifestyle that could end up you know, being arrested or in jail. And just there are countless lives that I'm sure have been touched through that, that program. Right. And, you know, it's something we'll never be able to measure. But but like you said, those relationships, we it, it allows us to get in front of something and, and head off something before it can get worse. And whether it's uh, one of the local pastors calling, you know, one of our lieutenants or the chief or whoever, those those phone calls early on, we can nip a lot of things in the bud before they get out of hand. And if an agency doesn't have those relationships, I think they're already behind the, the curveball on that. A couple of weeks ago, I attended one of the gang task force meetings, and it's the first time as a commissioner I've had the chance to do that. But it was helpful to hear some of the history of how that group started and, and the need for uh, a group like that to form with different people in the community and yep. pastors and, and law enforcement and different leaders, but also to hear of the success of that effort and, uh, you know, the cleanups that th- that group does, you know, with many people throughout the community several mm-hmm. times a year, but then just also the, I think, downward trend that we've seen in gang-related crimes compared to Correct. before that group was formed. That's a really positive story. Yeah, it's, you know, when we had that huge uptick in, I think it's 2013, um, of youth violence, that's kind of when that task force was created, and our, our whole focus was reduce that youth violence and get involved even more than we were and, and try to, to knock that down. And I, I think the city as a whole, not just the police department was a part of that solution and has benefited from it. No doubt. Let's talk a little bit about body cameras. And, and I know there, there are different opinions on this, even within our commission. And I talked about that on the last episode. So if anybody's out there listening and you did not catch my previous episode, I encourage you to check that out. Just my perspective on body cameras and our decision as a commission to fund cameras going forward. Can you give us the latest in terms of where we are in that process? And and I, you may be able to even say more than I did on the last episode because I, I try to tell people that the funding for this, it's part of a package. It's yes. not just the body-worn cameras themselves. And I think that's easy to to miss some of those other elements in the, in the entire package. Yeah, it's there is a lot of moving parts on that package and body cameras is just part of it. Um, whether, whether it's decided to go with them or not, you know, we're, we're at a crossroads in our technology at our agency because we've had in-car videos for close to 20 years in our patrol cars. Um, most of them are DVD-based now, and um, all the technology is going away from burning DVDs and burning to servers and going to cloud storage. So it's, it's almost getting hard to find those kind of in-car systems. And so part of this technology package was... Um, looking at newer in-car systems to update those which and update our fleet. Our uh, tasers are also out of date, so we were looking for something that could update that. Um, the in-cars also would have license plate reader technology, which is something we currently have on a limited capacity, so um, that enhances our, our capabilities there. And then another part of that puzzle was the body cam- body-worn cameras. And... Um, so when it's all bundled together, you know, you start talking about cloud storage and um, redaction software and auto transcription software. And, you know, 
technology is not cheap and a lot of that is cloud storage, but a lot of it too is, you know, not just body camera. It's, it's a whole package. Yeah. That's helpful to, to be reminded of that. And there, as you said, so many moving parts that go along with it. And I know you and your team have done a lot of research on that to see what are our options and and you're continuing in that process. Just for people out there listening, we will have, once there is a, a draft proposal or contract that will come back for the commission to review and, and, and vote on. And so we've had a lot of discussion about it. And I know you were uh, part of the, the effort brought in the other agencies that shared their experience. And, and I've told people for me, that was, it was compelling to hear their stories and, and how they're using them as part of uh, their department operations. But I know it's, you all have so much going on already. And then just yeah. to throw <laughs> that on top of it, the, in terms of the research and figuring out how do we integrate this into our operations, into what we do now as seamlessly as we can. And I know that will take some time. And, and that's, uh, the reasons you mentioned, just the different parts and pieces and technology integrations with what we have now, it's not as if you just flip on a switch and go. Yeah, no. And we're also in the middle of a huge um, computer aided dispatch and report writer upgrade um, that we hope to go live next March. And we're building that with that company as well. And the long-term goal is to get the, the body camera in car package and all that to talk to the new computer-aided dispatch system to increase some efficiencies with officers and not having to deal with as much downtime as cataloging evidence and things like that. So not only are we looking at this body camera and uh, technology package, we're also trying to marry it up with the new, what we call CAD RMS records management system package. And so hopefully by the end of next year, we're done with both of those because it's, it's that's pretty big projects on both of them. And Definitely. then you combine them. Right, right. I'm sure you, you will look forward to that, to being on the other yes. side of, of having that <laughs> done and, and implemented. So we were talking about recruiting and some of the younger officers. One of the things that sometimes I worry about with the future of law enforcement is it seems like maybe it's getting harder to recruit people into the profession. And I don't know if that's true or not, because on the flip side of that, when I was doing the ride along and I had the chance to attend the evening briefing before the shift, uh, all the officers went out. And I really appreciated that, by the way, that's a something that you don't see every day. And I know it's routine right. for police officers, but for those of us outside the profession, it, it's a glimpse into this is part of their schedule, their daily routine, how they get briefed on what's happening or what may happen this evening and just different announcements. And it was really helpful as a commissioner, but also as a resident, just to sit in and listen to that. But I looked around the room and I I saw a number of, uh, of younger men and women in that room as officers. And so then I I think, well, maybe there are more younger people uh, in their twenties, new into their careers who are heading into law enforcement than you would think, or maybe than the perception is. Yeah, so I'm curious what your you know how what what your take is. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of both, and I know that's a weird answer, but we've we've hired close to a hundred officers over the last three to four years. Um, we've also had a bunch of retirements and things like that, so there's that balance there. Um, you, we are a young department, and um, a lot of us that have the twenty plus years, you know, it's incumbent upon us to be those mentors and and teach where we can to get these these uh, folks up to speed. Um, the one thing, and I've sat on a lot of hiring boards the last two or three years. And the one thing you still see in every interview is they want to serve their public. Um, they want to be that public servant. They want to help people. 
And I don't think that passion's left. I don't, we may not have as many applicants. Um, so we really have to look at, at what they want to do. And that's a big thing is the serving part. It will be interesting to see if that increases in the future. If you have, you know, we've had, I I think some tough years for police officers and I can see why people would be hesitant to go into the field, the scrutiny, um, just the long hours, the time away from your family, the sacrifices. But I, I love what you said about the desire to serve, desire to protect their communities so many of the things that you all do go unnoticed and people will never know and you're not doing it for the limelight right, or the, right. to be in the spotlight. So I just wonder if kind of coming out of some difficult years to be in law enforcement, as you see community support and people saying we, we appreciate everything that our police officers do, if that spirit of wanting to serve and protect it stays strong and maybe even increases over time that you'll see more people wanting to pursue that career in, in public safety. I don't know, just kind yeah. of thinking out loud here. I, I hope it does. <laughs> um, I think eventually that pendulum, pendulum will swing back the other way. It's just a matter of when, you know, we've had a couple rough le- years, like mm-hmm. you said, and, um, you know, the applications have gone down, but the ones that we interview still still want to serve and be a police officer and, and protect and hopefully that pendulum will go back the other way and we'll have more applicants because honestly we have a lot of growth happening in the city and we're going to need more officers over the next few years. Absolutely. That's something that I think about often. And I hear that as, as you talk to people in the community and we talk about growth and new residents and with that comes a need for more public safety personnel. And and we're in the middle of that Right. right now. So for those listening who might not feel the call to go into law enforcement, but want to know more about the police department, applications for the Citizens Academy are open right now. Yes. So talk about that a little bit. That is, um, that is an amazing program that we've had and we've had it for 20 plus years. Um, This past year, we ended up doing it twice a year and this next year. We're going to do it twice a year also because of the demand, Uh, because of the demand, Um, you know, in transparency, we want to show people what, what we do uh, typically it was a fall program, but now we're doing a spring and a fall and, um, you can go to our website and, uh, there should be information on it there. The citizens police Academy, it, it's a commitment, but we want people to see that, you know, what we do and it's, uh, I think 14 or 15 weeks long. It's, uh, one Thursday, uh, it's each, every Thursday from six 30 to nine 30. Um, but they get to see every part of the department. We bring in instructors on protective action or use of force. Our canine unit comes in, our SWAT team comes in, our traffic and DUI unit comes in and talks about what they do. Um, our patrol division comes in and talks about what a patrol officer does. School resource comes in um, and talks about the work that SROs are doing. Um, crime scene folks come in and talk about our forensics and how they process crime scenes. Our detectives come in. So they, they get a glimpse of um, every part of the department from start to finish, how we hire people, what kind of background investigations we do, and then all the way through every specialty unit that we have. And um, it to me, it's it's a commitment, but it shows the everything about our department. And I would recommend anybody go through it if they have any interest in, in law enforcement or what their their department is doing in the city. 
It sounds like a great program. And so if people are out there listening, if you're interested, I've had several people recently asked me, how can I, are there any programs where I can get involved or learn more about the city and its operations? And the Citizens Police Academy is a great one. And I'm sure you walk away at the end just with so much knowledge and more understanding and appreciation for everything that goes into a police department and keeping it running. So, and to see some cool stuff, the SWAT team. Yeah. And do you guys go to the range? Do you take the, the participants yes. to the shooting yes. range? So there's, yeah. yeah, there's a Saturday, uh, Saturday event where um, we have all of our equipment out there. So they see a static display and um, we'll let them hold our equipment and they're exposed to some scenarios and we, we show them what we go through in our, our training. Yeah, that's great. So visit uh, the Lakeland Police Department website for more information on that. Or if you just, you can contact me, I can put you in touch with uh, the, the right people. Uh, chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net if you have some questions on that. What are some things, Chief Lehman, that you, about the police department that you wish more of our residents knew? Things that they don't see as often, some of the behind the scenes stuff, or just something that if you're out speaking to groups, what are some things that you wish more people knew? There's a lot there. I'm we're, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, we're one of the few, um, the fire department, but we're one of the only departments in the city that's 24 seven, 365 days a year. Uh, you call us, we're coming. Um, it, you know, we don't, we, we prioritize calls, but the, the work that's done behind the scenes, uh, what our training does to get our folks ready, what our background of folks do to get people hired, um, you know, what our 911 dispatchers do on a daily basis, the kind of calls they answer that they never get to see the outcome of, um, cause once they're disconnected, usually officers are on scene, they move on to, they move yeah, on to the next call, the next call. Wow. Uh, you know, and sometimes there's some, you know, do they need that closure and hear what the outcome is? And then our officers, you know, on a daily basis, you know, they never know what the next call is going to be. And, you know, so sometimes you can live uh, on the edge a little bit because, you know, there's a little bit of the unknown factor we deal with every day. And, um, you know, that we strive to be transparent. You know, we want to be engaged with the community. We we listen to feedback. And there's, there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes that to make, you know, an officer ready to answer those calls that I think that's a big thing that uh, our, our folks need to know is what goes on behind the scenes. So good. We could do a whole episode on that, I feel like. But I, and I mentioned the ride along. One of the things that I noticed is when we went from call to call, many times I was still thinking about the previous call on the way to the the next one. And I I was thinking it has to be difficult just to transition to leave one scene and then to be ready for the next and you're going into an unknown situation you you have as much information as what's been given to you but there are things you don't know when you're pulling up to this house or onto this scene and just the mental toughness and preparation that that takes to transition like that I, I found that just something I was in awe of yeah it's you know some people will call it we compartmentalize and you know some people say well officers can be standoffish you know they're sometimes they're not very approachable well it's that's that going to call to call to call. And, you know, one, one may be a domestic, the next one's a burglary that past occurred. And then the next one is check on the well being of somebody that they haven't heard from in a couple of days. And then the next one might be uh, a mental health crisis. And so it's, you know, they're going, 
they're they're just checking out from the one they go to the mm-hmm. next one and it w- we put on that facade but you know at the end of shift our our guys are thinking about those calls they've been on yeah. and um you know that's that's just something that they learn to prioritize and and for some people they find out in training that it's too much they yeah. they they can't handle the the volume because it's coming at you every day you know 100 miles an hour so fast yeah and you are human beings just like the rest of us yes. and so you you have to I'm sure you feel the the effects and, and the impacts of the things you see. I know that was, I don't know what it's like to be a police officer, but I know what it's like to be the son of one and family of one. And so you, you when dad would come home, especially I was in my older teenage years and could understand a little bit more about things that had happened. But there were times where you could just tell he was still thinking about what had happened uh, processing and sometimes he would share and other times he wouldn't. It's just depending on kind of the situation. And, but there were very real effects and impacts that he carried with him all the time, I think. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I was in our traffic unit for a number of years and, you know, nobody likes to give a death notification and, you know, those I've done plenty of those and they stick with you because you're, you're giving a, 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 message to somebody that's getting ready to change their life and you're about to witness it. And, you know, people think that, you know, we're tough, but you know, when you see that family member break down or, you know, know that their loved one's not coming home, it, you may wait Mm -hmm. till you get back out to the patrol car, but you know, it, it sticks with you for a little while. Yeah. You feel it too. Wow. So we have talked a lot about the department and programs, but we haven't talked about you very much other than (laughs) that you're one of the assistant police chiefs. We have Three, correct? correct? Yes. Chief Pacheco, Chief Taylor, and Chief Lehman, who's with me today. I don't know if yep. he drew the, the straw to come in here to the podcast nah, studio. And then, and then uh, Chief Ruben Garcia, who we've talked about several times. So that is the, the leadership team of our police chiefs at the department. But tell us about your career path and when did you get started in law enforcement? You've been with Lakeland your entire career, right? Well, I, I did start at the sheriff's office. But okay, that's yeah. right. I, I remember that now. We it's, talked about that. I'm kind of a unique one. And it's, you know, the day I turned 14, I joined the police explorers at Lakeland Police Department. I, I guess just from being a little kid from day one, I knew I wanted to go into law enforcement. So we have a police explorer program that's chartered through the Boy Scouts of America, and we still have it today. It's ages 14 through 19. So the day I turned 14, I, I joined Police Explorers, and I was there all the way through then, then went to college um, at Stetson University and came back and uh, was at the, went to the Police Academy. Um, in college, I had uh, firefighter and EMT standards as well, so was a volunteer firefighter EMT as well. Came back home, went to the Academy, and uh, started at the Sheriff's Office, was there for right at two years, and then came to Lakeland, and I've been here since, 25 years later. Wow. And so. just risen through different positions and ranks and, and yeah, yes, over time. I, I've been a part of or supervised just about every component of the department, so um, definitely enlightening as, you know, get to see a little bit of everything. And that's that's a really cool thing about this job is you can move around the department every couple of years. You can do something different, patrol, traffic, detective, go to our street crimes unit, uh, drug detective. And before you know it, you've got 15, 18 years in Wow! and you're still learning something new every day. I'm sure just with the many different operations that you described, that's, that's great. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? Just that, um, 
our department is there for you and uh, we know we're a full service agency and, you know, we pride ourselves on the quality work that we do. And if we're not doing something right, let us know. If we're doing something good, let us know. And, you know, we, we are very much a part of the community and work well with all the other city departments because a big main focus for us is quality of life. And if we have good quality of life in the city of Lakeland, then we know that the folks are happy. I know I hear Chief Garcia say that oftentimes when he's speaking to community groups that if there are ways we can improve, let us know. We're always looking to get better. And, and that's, the bar is high, but we yes. know that if with feedback and community input, we're not perfect, but we're always trying to, to do better. And, and I think that's a powerful message to just to remind people that, look, you know, we, we try to get it right as often as we can, but we know if there are ways we can improve, let us know. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's what we pride ourselves on. One of our core values is excellence, commitment to excellence, and that's what we want to be. But, you know, we know we have to learn all the time as well. Good deal. Well, Chief Lehman, thank you so much for coming into a view from Lakeland City Hall. I really appreciate it. We could talk more. I'll have to have you or someone back down the road and talk about other programs or things that are going on with the police department. We're in good hands, Lakeland residents, with our police department. We thank them, the many men and women who he talked about, the the officers, the non-sworn personnel, all that it takes uh, on that LPD team. We thank you. Thank you for your service and for everything you do for the city of Lakeland. Just a couple of things here before we close this episode. The election, city election, is next week, November 2nd. So early voting has started, and there are a number of races on that ballot. There's the mayor race. We have two commissioner seats uh, that are on the ballot as well, along with two charter amendments. And check those out. And I will mention that LakelandNow.com has a good overview of what those amendments are. I've had a few questions from people saying, now, what is this? What does this mean? And both of those, just so people know, were uh, cleared and approved by the city commission and their changes that, that we believed uh, were good policy and, and necessary for the city of Lakeland and for our charter. If you have questions on those, you're welcome to, to contact me and I'm happy to provide any you know, background on how those came about. We only have four meetings left this year, uh, commission meetings, which is hard to believe. You know, we're knocking on the door of November, and we have two meetings then and then two meetings in December. So not a lot of time for 2021. A couple of issues still to decide before the end of the year, but before we know it, we'll be into 2022. And uh, talking about new themes and topics and policies, and so I will be back here on the podcast pretty soon, hopefully after our next meeting, just to provide kind of a recap of some of the things that we're talking about As always, I appreciate you listening, Lakeland residents. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be one of your commissioners. And again, if if I can be of any assistance, chad.mcleod at lakelandgov.net. I want to thank In Focus Studios for the use of the podcast studio. This is always a, a great space. And if you're a podcaster or aspiring podcaster in Lakeland, check this place out. It's great. Thank you for listening. I'll be back again soon.